0: Juliet Dogcast Radio. If you like dogs, wherever you are in the world, we're the show for you. Hello and welcome to episode 217 of Dogcast Radio. Although this podcast has been produced during a time when many of us, over a quarter of the world's population, are under a lockdown of some sort or another. We're going to try not to dwell on that. Although obviously it is referenced But I think if you're living through the COVID-19 pandemic, then you've heard all about it. And if you're listening to this at a later date, who wants to relive it? I hope you are safe, have enough to eat and drink and can take your dog for a walk. And at least dogs are enjoying having their people home so much of the time. Anyway, on with the show. Later, I'll be hearing all about Nosy Barker from Kim K.
1: Nosy Barker is quite a holistic service. We provide Care as early as puppy poppins. We do kennel club classes from puppy right through to advanced gold level. And we also do, which is much newer in our business, we do online dog training.
0: And we have the Dogcast Radio News. Dogs
2: are cute, and our next story is a woman who decided that ultimately her dogs were cuter than her
0: husband. But before that, we have an interview with the fantastic Karen London. As well as having a PhD, Karen is a certified applied animal behaviourist and certified professional dog trainer who specialises in working with dogs with serious behavioural problems, including aggression. She has authored five books on canine training and behaviour. Today, we're discussing happiness. Today, I'm talking to Karen London. Hi, Karen.
3: Hi, Julie. Thanks for having me on your podcast thanks for being here with us thank you
0: we're talking today about how we can make our live uh, sorry our dogs lives and our lives i guess but how we can make our dogs lives better and more happy and i think that's a really important thing because that's surely that's why we have dogs in part to make them happier as well as us happier so um what do you think are the important things and this is going to be a wide-ranging topic obviously but how can we make our dogs lives happier
3: Uh, Well, as you say, I mean, it's definitely a a broad question, but Mm -hmm. really all the answers to that, and there are many, can fit under sort of the umbrella answer of thinking about it from their perspective, figuring out what their wants and needs are and considering their perspective and then working from there. So that can include things like feeding them really nice food or petting them the way they like to be pet or getting them lots of toys if they like them, enticing them to get into toys they're interested in, playing with them, giving them lots of, lots of exercise. It's all the things that they need. That's what we need to consider. Yeah. Um, and I could go into detail about any one of those, but it really is about the empathy for them. What, it, what it is it that they need? They're not the same as we are as much as we may share many qualities.
4: Mm-hmm.
0: And they're not the same as each other, are, are they? I mean, I, um, I, I had one guest before who said there's no generic dog. You know, there's not just dog. They're, they're all individuals. And when you said about toys, our dogs, we've always had dog, dog toys out and around the place. And Buddy and Star and Rusty sort of would they'd be interested in toys. But really, it was the interaction they wanted. They weren't that into the toys. And if one was there and they happened to lie down by it, they'd have a chew or knock, knock, knock the ball or whatever. But Mischief, who we, we've got now, who is a little um, German Klein. She's the first dog we've had who really seems to have quite strong opinions about toys and will actually go over to the toy box and stand into it, even with all four paws sometimes and stand in and really have a good route around for a specific toy that she seems to want and, and then go, I've got it, come on, let's play. But she wants that particular toy to play with. It's not, it's not just a straight, I'll interact with you with anything. It's, I want this toy. It's, it's so interesting.
3: Yeah, it is interesting, and it's really, I think, quite nice to have a dog that lets you know what they want, because I think a lot of us spend a lot of time experimenting and figuring out what our dogs want, which is good. Um, You have to try things out. I mean, there's certainly dogs that you throw a ball for, and they're like, yeah, you threw it if you want to go get it. You know, they're not interested in that, but they might really like tug or squeaky toys or chase games or different things. And if you have a dog that's letting you know, I think that's such a blessing. If it means that they're a little more particular, like they're harder to engage with various toys, of course, that's that can be a challenge, but I think it's, a, I always love it when I have a dog that lets me know what they want. It's like, oh, thank you. Now I know. Yes. Um, and I do think it's interesting what you were saying about how, what a lot of dogs want is the interaction. And I think that's, I mean, there are certainly dogs that can entertain themselves endlessly with toys on their own, but even those, a lot of them prefer to be playing in you know dog human play or dog dog play. And I think it's the same with exercise. A lot of people will put their dogs out in their gardens and say, oh, they have plenty of opportunity to exercise. But mm. they're really interested in the interactive exercise. Very few dogs will actually exercise themselves. So it really is about the interaction, which is great, because isn't that why we have dogs? <laughs>
0: well, yes, interact with them. absolutely, absolutely. I can remember when, when, I won't mention breeds, but when somebody says to me about a breed, oh, I don't know, I've got them. and And you think... Oh, that's, I mean, that's great if that's what you're looking for. Quite an easy to live with breed. But, you know, I like i like a dog that I know I've got. You know, there's a bit of, in, in my face, a bit more than that and sort of um, a lot more. I, I want that interaction. You know, that's, I want the dog to sort of want to be with me and come and, and tell me, you know, let's play now or take me out or whatever it is. I, I want that. And thank goodness all dogs are different because people are different and we can find a dog we're happy to live with. But, um, you know, I, that's quite an interesting thing that for a lot of people they want a very strong off switch and they want a dog that will just you know stop and and just be as you say amuse themselves
3: Right. And I mean, I think it's so interesting what you say about that, you know, that we were saying earlier, all dogs are different. It's true with all people. Some people want a dog that's just always like, oh, you, oh, hi, I love you. Oh, it's so great to be with you. And some people would find that a little pesty. And some people want a dog that's pretty independent. And other people would feel like, well, gosh, I got a dog. You know, there's a reason they say you're our best friends. Where are you? And I think the same thing is true with, you know, with relationships. I've talked with friends of mine, relationships with people, I mean. They've talked about how, you know, there's such a difference in, you know, just with sleeping, how some couples, you know, they need a bed, you know, sort of the size of, you know, a small island, and they don't want any contact with each other. And some people are very snuggly and cuddly. It's the same I think a lot of people want the same thing from a dog that they would want from a, a partner or best human friend. And I think that's something that's so wonderful about the diversity of dogs. There, there really are no other species that have that much diversity that we know of in terms of their natural tendencies. And of course, this does vary by breed, some, but also by individual, what, what dogs are like in terms of how much togetherness they want. And it has to do with what they were, their you know, genetic heritage and their individual yes. personality.
0: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I mean, I one of my bugbears is if you want to have a good idea of what a dog is likely to be like, look at what it was bred for. You know, was it bred to work all day and run all day or, you know, or was it bred to sort of be a companion and have some exercise because they all need exercise. But, you know, by and large, be with you. What was it, you know? And if you're looking for that dog that will give you space, perhaps don't pick one that was bred to be a companion, you know. And, and, and that's why I always think, look at, don't look at what the look of the dog is. You know, I want to, I want a small, short-haired dog that looks cute. Oh, I'll have a dachshund. Well, they were actually bred to run and be quite feisty and do a job. So maybe, you know, that's not the dog you're looking for. You know, look at what the dog was bred to be.
3: I mean, I couldn't agree with you more. I mean, of course, my background's in animal behaviour, so I am much more attentive to the behaviour yes. than the look in certain ways. Although, of course, with, you know, it's a standard biological statement, form equals function, you know, that how... The, sort of the general shape and mm. and composition of a, of a dog does have to do with with their job, but I, I couldn't agree more. I think it's so important to choose a dog that is the dog that you're going to enjoy being with, and then learn to fall in love with what it looks like instead of the other <laughs> yes. way around. I mean, that's not an easy thing to do, but I mean, it does make a lot of sense that, you know, that their, their look somewhat can match. For example, I mean, th- I think one of the things we need to do to keep dogs happy is, you know, take care of them physically, and if there are dogs that need huge amounts of grooming and you hate grooming a dog, that's not a good match for you. And that does have to do with what they look like. Mm-hmm. Um, so there's certainly exceptions, but I mean, I, I love to see people choose based on behavior. And that's one of the ways I think to make dogs the happiest. So if you're where I live, a lot of people run and cause we live up in the mountains. It's a great place for training for runners of all levels. Then, It's great for people to get an active dog if they're going to run with them 30, 40, 50, 60, 80 miles a week. But if that same dog is going to have a 20-minute leash walk around the neighborhood, you know, that's sad. So, I mean, a lot of keeping them happy is matching their behavior to you.
0: Yes, definitely. By
3: choosing the right dog to begin with. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, good. I'm glad that we agree on that. (laughs) It's such good sense, in my opinion.
0: (laughs) Yeah. I mean I, I as you were saying that I was thinking I've been writing I've been writing uh, breed profiles for a, a magazine and I think the second one I did was a pointer and I just fell completely in love with the pointers because they're just f- from the look of them they are just my kind of dog they're you know they're very athletic they're very um slim short coat you know sporty looking I'm I'm not like that myself at all if anyone's seen me I'm not slim or sporty looking <laughs> at all um and I have long hair <laughs> but but the, the, for the, the you know the look of those dogs ah they are beautiful and lots and lots of pictures of them sitting there looking um very aristocratic and then sprawled on the sofa so there you've got both sides of them and I I really fell for them and then and I, I know it's not the dog for me and my husband and daughter were saying to me, yeah, but. You don't want a dog that you have to run with. You really don't want that. And I don't. But they're beautiful. They're gorgeous. But you have to have that sense of, I I love the look of that dog. And I'm going to admire them. And and anybody I see with a pointer, I'm going to go up and say, can I just, you know, have a minute with your pointer. But I I can't live with them. And I don't think they would like to live with me very much.
3: Right, and it's a lot about the match. And I think most people have some either breed or group of dogs where deep in their heart of hearts they know this is the dog the, or the breed or type of dog that my heart goes out to, but which I must not get. Mm. <laughs> and I think that I think that, that, you know, I mean, that makes sense. Yes. it's, it's, but it's fine to say uh, you can admire them and they're lovely. I feel that way about certain cars, like the <laughs> same thing, which not to compare dogs to cars too much. But, you know, there are things that you can see and you admire, but not for yourself.
0: Yes, yeah. Definitely, And it's it's having the I don't know whether it's wisdom or in, informed. you know, having read about them and you, you've got to know what you're taking on. I mean, that's a, That's a huge part of when you get a dog. You've got to know what you're taking on. So you need to talk to the breeder or the rescue or, you know, whatever it is. You need to be really well informed. I was talking to somebody who um, who took on a corgi. And and again, you know, can be quite a feisty. I mean, and I'm, I'm falling in love with Corgis, the, um, cardigan, uh, Welsh Cardigan um, Corgis at the moment. Um, but she was saying, I knew what I was going to get because I had a really in-depth chat with the breeder who told me exactly what to expect. And that's what they've been like. And yes, they are individuals. But within that, you can outline a lot of what you can expect. But that's that's a great place to start isn't it talk to go to a breed show or go to the rescue and talk to them in detail about what that dog either is like if it's in a rescue or is likely to be like don't you think
3: oh i think so i mean i really do And, and i mean it comes out in so many ways i mean if it's a dog that needs huge amounts of exercise you have to evaluate does that suit your lifestyle do they need a huge amount of grooming does that work i mean another thing can be if say that you do want to run with a dog, then maybe you don't want to get a dog when all they want to do is sniff. Now, I think one of the ways to make almost all dogs happy is to give them a chance to really sniff, you know, to go on what we call sniffari instead of just a walk. Let them go where they want to go as long as they're not walking into traffic and, you know, you sort of follow them where they want to go, whether they're on the leash or not, depending on where you're walking. But let them do something. But if what you really want to do is go on, you know, runs, then a dog that all they want to do is sniff might not match. Even though most dogs, we like some opportunities for that. And if you don't really like, some people are not that playful. And you need to decide whether a dog that all they want to do is play is going to be, you know, right for you. So, I mean, I think there are so many ways that you can make dogs happier by making the right choice at the beginning when when you choose your dog. But even once you have the dog, there's obviously a lot of things that you can do, even whether or not you're the perfect match or not.
0: Yeah, yeah. I love that term, sniffari, because how many times are dogs taken on a walk? And it's a week for 15 minutes around the block, and the person's got their head down over their phone, and they're just dragged along. And, and you see them sometimes, and the dog's trying to, to stop and either sniff or have a toilet break or whatever. And you, you really need to be aware of that, because you might have to pick something up. But... There's not, there doesn't seem to be a connection between the dog and the person. And you think, could you not just put the phone down and just be present with the dog? And, uh, you know, that's that should be a quality time, shouldn't it?
3: Oh, I definitely think so. I mean, I, I, I think that, I mean, it's something that I've often said and written about when you want to really make your dog happy. To, yeah, to really be there, to really you know sort of sharpen your focus on them, and it doesn't mean that you have to get down there and sniff with them. But just <laughs> they can tell if you're present yes. um, or not. And I mean, certainly, I, I mean, I've said this to clients. Sometimes it's like I really you know get off your phone when you're when you're walking your dog. You know, just but it, but you know if you have to take some work call and it's either take the work call from home and not walk or walk your dog. Yeah, sure, walk mm-hmm. your dog with the phone occasionally, but not to make that a regular thing. I mean, I think dogs know when we're really with them or if we're just sort of absentmindedly following them on their walk or absent or you know the same thing mindedly just petting them which can be fine I mean there's nothing wrong with sitting and watching a show and petting your dog but really sometimes you want to engage more actively and dogs know the difference. They but, I do mean,
0: yes yeah do you know it's funny because well not that the, that's the subject I'm going to mention now isn't funny but my dog had uh, my Labrador had four mast cell tumors and I only came across him really because I, I was sitting by him and hugging him to me and sort of you know and fussing him quite as you say sort of mindedly. the minute I sort of my fingers encountered something odd and I went oh gosh what's that he was quite happy up till then but when I turned around and went what's that let me have a look and he knew straight away and he was like get off me you're, you're looking now you, you know this isn't fun this isn't being fussed this is you're looking for something and I wasn't being rough or anything but he could tell the minute it changed from just fussing him to what's that and he was like hang on I don't like this and he could definitely tell.
3: Yeah, and it might have been uncomfortable for him too, just if there was a spot there. Yes,
0: yeah. Yeah, definitely. Okay, so another um, big area that I know you've, you've mentioned sort of to make our dogs happy is choice. And it's not something that springs to everybody's mind. So how, how does cho- How should choice, or or how could choice, figure in our dogs' lives?
3: Well, I think that the idea that dogs should be bossed around and we should determine everything for them is quite passe, thankfully. And I think that something that dogs like is is choosing. Like, so do you want to sleep on this dog bed or this dog bed? Do you want to walk this way on the walk or, or that way? Um, do you want to, um, you know play with this toy or that toy and one of the best ways that dogs can get choice is if you can have them in a safe place where it's allowed for them to be off leash so that they can just they can run over here and maybe sniff smells with another dog over the grass if there's one around or or head this way or lie in the sun just anytime dogs can have choice I think they're telling you what they want out of the options there and I it's sort of I think presumptuous of us as humans to think that we would be able to make a better choice for them than letting them do it and some dogs are really into making choices they're quite you know opinionated or feel very strongly about something and some are more go with the flow but i think giving them the opportunity to make choice first of all you learn things about them Mm -hmm. which can be like say that you were saying um i think you were telling me that your dog often likes to um choose a particular toy yes. and play yeah. with it well then you know that that's a favourite toy and maybe if you want to entice that dog to play then that's the toy you grab you've learned something by observing their choices yes. but also they're just getting to do what what they want and I don't think there's much more fundamental to happiness for any species than getting to do what you want however they define it
0: yeah yeah it's it's interesting my, my daughter had a, a Bichon Frise and now she has the, the German Spitz both small dogs which which get picked up sometimes and we have never or we've always tried to not just, you know, scoop them up and, and that's that. So we've always said to them, sort of, do you want to be picked up? And I actually use those words and with body language, but do you want to be picked up? And... Um, a star would just yes t- turn around the the Frise and she oh she got to the point though where she'd you'd say do you want such and such and she she would actually go if, if it wasn't what she wanted um, which was funny and it was always with a closed mouth growl but it was a, it was a growl just saying no it's not what I want come on you know and um, mischief will. If you, if you say, so do you want to be picked up? She'll either spin away from you and look, for, look at you from sort of you know, five feet away and sort of go, no, or she will actually very precisely turn around and offer you her back. Like, yes, you may pick me up. So, and I feel, I, I really love those moments when she's understanding what I'm saying, I'm understanding what she's saying and we're actually both wanting to do the same thing.
3: Well, I mean, I think it's just such a wonderful story of, you know, sort of your interactions with your dog and your communication. I love that. And one of the things I like best about it is just that it emphasizes how important communication is. Yes. We, you know, we're a little bit limited. You know, I mean, I, I understand dogs quite well, but I'm certainly, you know, speaking dog as a second language. So it's there's always some, you know, interspecific communication is not for the faint of heart. But one of the things that we can do to communicate clearly with our dogs and develop the kind of mold rapport that you have with your dogs is first of all, to be really consistent. Like if you said, do you want me to pick you up? And then that meant 10 different things. It wouldn't have been good. The reason it worked is because, you know, your dogs come to understand what that means. And also for a lot of dogs, well, almost all dogs using visual signals, you mentioned body language instead of just words, you can use both, but you know, dogs seem to understand visual signals so much better. They learn them They learn it much more quickly than a lot of what we're saying. They're watching what we're doing. So using body language and visual signals as we communicate, you know, allows there to be less confusion. I mean, there's always going to be some confusion between our species, but I think we can make them happier by, um, you know, communicating in in clear and consistent a way that they understand. And a lot of that does mean visual communication.
0: Yes. Yeah, definitely. And I think the more you learn about them, and the more you learn how they communicate, um, I mean, for example, I've told this story quite a few times. But Buddy, when he was quite young, got onto the um, passenger seat in the car, and I wanted him to, to get into the footwell, and I was saying, "Get down, get down!" And he was looking away from me, and I, I interpreted that as him pretending he couldn't hear me. He was, he might have been saying to me, "This, I'm finding this a little bit st- stressful," you know. And in another dog, that could have been a warning. And then, you know, in another situation, whatever. And when I actually mentioned that to a behaviourist and sort of she explained to me what he might well be saying. And I was like, oh, right. And that just opened the door. And I, I was like, I really need to know what this dog's trying to say to me, you know, because he's trying his best to communicate with me. I need to receive it as, as best I can and, and understand what that body language you know, might learn, might, so might mean. Um, and that really sparked a passion in me to sort of learn as much as I could about how dogs are com- trying to communicate with us and, and to, to try and, you know, be the best I can as as an interpreter. And that really, that's a passion for me.
3: I think it's a great thing. And I think especially it's something that a lot of people don't necessarily learn to notice is signs of stress or fear in their dogs. Like Some of the things are quite obvious, like their tail tucked all the way under their body, but little things like tongue flicks, which means it can be a slight sign of anxiety, the pupils dilating, which can be a sign of fear, their body weight shifted backwards, all these things like, uh, you know, that can mean tension or stress,
4: you know, overall
3: body tension, um, mouth mm-hmm. closed, like a dog that it's hard to do over the radio, but kind of that <sighs> kind of happy open mouth is yes. very... Relaxed, and that when their mouth clamps up I work with a lot of dogs who are fearful since I specialize in aggression Mm. and many of the dogs that I meet for the first time I'm watching my clock to know how long from the time they first meet me do they go from having their mouth clamped shut um and looking very tense to they kind of get that relaxed open mouth you know in some dogs I toss a couple treats and we're good to go and some you know it might be Forty-five minutes. It might be the second appointment. It might—they might never feel relaxed in that way. So watching that body language, I mean, I think is is so great. And another thing about watching body language: when people are petting their dogs, and pay a lot of attention to how they like to be touched, and you can really see if they settle into it and relax. Um, you know, so a lot of dogs like that petting around the the scruff and the sort of the chin very few dogs like the pats on the head they'll often try to move their head away and that's mm. something you can observe a lot of them like you know scratching right above the tail so paying a lot of attention to their body language in situations like in the car or you know when visitors come over or when you're petting them can all help you understand them better do more what they like and that is just another way to make their life better
0: yeah yeah definitely definitely and you as you say that's what we have them in our lives for, to to make them happy. It, oh, that's, yeah, yeah. <laughs> should be. Um, so uh, when, because we've talked before this, but um, I, one of the things you mentioned, which I thought was lovely actually, was you can't, or if you can't be with your dog all day, you know, because boredom is a factor for dogs, but if you can't be with your dog all day, that you shouldn't feel sort of madly guilty and and how you can make up for that, how how, how we can give them quality time. So that's that's really important isn't it because most of us don't have the luxury of being of being able to say I'm
3: um, well we do at the, a lot of us do
0: at the moment and we'll come to that in a minute but
3: um. right a lot of us are spending more time with our dogs than usual but you're quite right i mean uh, when when we do have to leave our dogs and that's a normal thing in modern society and it's natural to feel some guilt when you have to leave your dog because of course most of them would rather that we stay home all day like on a saturday and a sunday but we go to work but i always remind people to stay that you don't have to feel guilty you're going out to earn money to pay yes. the bills <laughs> buy them food and toys and you know and whatnot and plus you know you might be going out to socialize you, you have to take care of yourself in order to be able to take care of them but to me the key thing about it it's it, it's an unreasonable expectation that we would all spend all of our time with our dogs now but the key thing is not how much time you spend with them although a certain amount is good, of course, but it's the quality time. So if, you know, you're gone at work all day and then you come home and, you know, give your dog two pats on the head and, you know, uh, let them out in the yard for 10 minutes that's not mm. great but if when you come home you really go out for a long walk or a hike or you have a quality massage set session you've learned how to maybe massage your dog and you play with them and give them exercise you know that's a good life dogs sleep a bit when we're home yes they miss us i'm not saying they don't but it's more about the quality time so if before you leave for work you can get a good you know, exercise or training or play session in and then When you come home, you do that again and really spend quality time with them. I mean, that's reasonable. A lot of people, that's how much they see their kids, too. They see them in the morning and they see them in the evening. And their kids are, you know, quite – they can have quite positive relationships with parents. Dogs can, too. So it is about giving them – attention and focus when you're with them and also perhaps things to do you know stuffing Kongs when you leave or giving them some toys if they can safely play with them or a nice comfy cozy place to snooze so it's really about the quality of the time that you spend with them as much as it is the quantity yes
0: Yes, yeah yeah absolutely yeah yes um and as as we've alluded to many of us are going to be able to spend more time with our dogs for a little while now so how can, we, how can we sort of get the most out of that for our dogs? And also, I think if, if you have a dog at the moment, it's, I think you're very lucky because they are so calming. You know, I find when, when the world seems a bit mad at the moment, to sit down and just talk to the dog and, uh, you know, when she starts answering, I know I'm in trouble, but, you know, when I start, to, when I can sit down and talk to her and just have a quiet moment and a, a fuss with her and a normal time and, and take that stress away a bit, that's really, really helpful to me at the moment.
3: Oh, I completely agree. I think so many people are getting a lot of solace and comfort from their dog. There's no doubt about it. And there are a lot of people right now who really be alone if they didn't have dogs in their home with them. So that's good. And I think getting the time, you know, it it is a wonderful time to have a dog and it's a wonderful time to be a dog. And I think that there's some key things though, in order to get the most out of this extra time people are having with their dogs. Or I think the most important thing is to remember that just being home with your dog is not enough. I mean, I think since a lot of people are working from home, I would be concerned that people would be like, oh, I don't really have to walk them so much, like, I'm here. They still need, you know, play sessions and exercise sessions. Your presence, while wonderful for them, is not on its own sufficient. They still need their real activity so that they're not bored. They've got enrichment toys or time with you. Um, And I think it's important if you can, which I don't know that everyone agrees with me at this time, to leave your dog alone sometimes too even if it just means that they're in one part of the house yes. and you're in another or you head out to get groceries and they stay just so that they don't completely all of our dogs don't completely lose the skills of yes. being left alone because I mean it happens at the end of the summer vacation that a lot of dogs get really upset when their are the kids in their yeah. family go back yeah. to school and they're like oh it's hard and we're gonna have a massive sort of worldwide issue with that um and i i think too um it's, we're home with our dogs but people mm-hmm. are working so it's important that our dogs have first of all a really comfortable place to rest near us while we're working most of the time you know so maybe you know blankets or sheepskin or a dog bed or something soft and cozy near where your workspace is at home so that they can be near you but be comfortable they don't have to choose you know they don't have to be like on a wood or tile floor or far away from you on the couch so something close to you um, and then something to do you know they might be awake more that we're home and they they need things like, you know, stuffed toys and things to to play with. Um, and I think a big thing too is to make sure not to overdo it with the treats while we're home. I don't. I'm, I'm a little worried that a lot of dogs will lose their healthy figures while we're all <laughs> home with them all this time because they'll be getting so much treats.
0: Yeah, yeah. Although I have to say we're. Um, I, see, I'm having the opposite, finding the opposite with our dog because I, I'm aware every time I give her a treat that we only have, you know, everything is a finite resource now and, and we only, only have so many treats and, you know, I've got to sort of really monitor them carefully and and so, I, you know, she's getting treats but I, I will perhaps break what she used to have in half and give her two treats and go, that's a good dog and give it give two little bits so she's getting two treats in her little mind but we're, we're not going through the treats too quickly so I'm quite aware of that and, I th- you know, like I say, dog food and treats and everything is quite a resource at the moment so that's... um. I'm aware of that, so hopefully we, we won't have that. But I mean, I would thought that, that at the other end of this, when we all come out and we have big parties and celebrate that we, we've got through it, our dogs are, are sort of going to have a, a big adjustment that we're back at work and out of the house a lot, aren't
3: they? Right. I mean, I definitely think that's going to... I mean, some dogs, you know, it it will be a little bit of a bummer and some dogs it will be, you know, towards the end of traumatic. It just depends on their natural way. And, you know, for people that have young dogs now that never got the experience mm-hmm. of being alone, be really hard. And I think that it's the same um, kind of approach that we'll all have to take people have long done you know, trying to leave their dogs and not have them be stressed out. You know, don't we don't want to be overly dramatic and emotional in our yes. departures. We don't want to be as we're leaving <laughs> the house and like, oh, I must leave you alone. Oh, this is so I don't know what you'll do all day. I'm so traumatized as well. You know, that even if they don't understand the words we're saying, they can certainly, you know, uh, yes. detect that there's <laughs> something serious mm-hmm. going on. So keeping it kind of casual, like, all right, we'll, we'll be seeing you later, um, and then coming home and not acting like this reunion, you know, that it's a reunion after being, apart for years, that can also be like, wow, it must be really scary out in the real world. <laughs> they're so traumatized to leave and so joyful when they come home. And then I think, too, if we can keep our dogs in practice now, getting a little chance to be alone, and then whenever people can, when they do start heading back to work, if they can, you know, ease into it. So say you know you're going to be going back to work in a few days, you know, have a couple practices where the few days before you leave, they're you leave them for a little bit, but not all day, you know, a few hours or half an hour, depending on what your dog can handle at that time. And then leave them something to do. Um, you know, leave them a, a stuffed frozen Kong or some wooden puzzle toys, if, you know, if they're not going to chew that up so that they have something to do, because a lot of dogs struggle with the departure, the seeing yeah. you go, but they're actually not that upset about being alone. Once, mm-hmm. once you leave, they're okay. Um, and so if you can give them something to do while you leave to get them over the departure then a lot of dogs do do settle in. But it's something that like the everyone with dogs is going to have yes. to be mindful of if they've been, you know, sort of on um, you know, social distancing strategies right now means that they're basically in yes. their homes.
0: Yeah. So I guess but we'll we'll come back to this in <laughs> at some point in the future, yes, this subject of sort of how they're going to cope. Okay, so is there anything that you think is, I mean, obviously there's there's a lot, this is a huge subject we could do, you know, we could talk for hours and hours and still have more to say about sort of making our dogs happy. But is there anything that we, we haven't covered yet that you think is, you know, is is vital to include in the subject?
3: Um. Yeah, well, I do. I mean, beyond, I, we haven't actually mentioned lots of exercise, but I almost feel like <laughs> that's a given. <laughs> um. But an, another thing is that I think there, I often think of this as just a category of sensory things, like, Uh, help them with their senses. We already mentioned letting them go on sniffari and and, and indulging in their olfactory joy. But another thing is I feel very strongly about having it so that dogs can see. A lot of dogs have fur that goes all the way over their eyes and covers Mm -hmm. them. And I always feel like freeing that, um, you know, either – trimming and I did work as a groomer for a year so I'm you know often think well, will just cut it you know but I realize for certain breeds that it's not considered proper um, which I think is unfortunate but that's how it is. Fearful dogs especially get very upset when they are surprised by things um, and you know most dogs they want to be able to see they want to be able to communicate their life just isn't as rich if eyes are you know if they're missing a whole whole sense they're blocked mm-hmm. out to the world. Another thing in terms of a uh, sensory issue with dogs that affords us the opportunity to improve their lives and make them happier is to do what we can to minimize the amount of jangling of tags on their collars. Many dogs have, you know, like six or eight or ten tags from previous years on, and I would say only have what you need on your dog's collar. So, you know, something with your name and their name and your name and phone number and, you know, any kind of licensing or proof of vaccinations that you need, but don't have so many. And then if you can, you can, There are actually products you can buy where you can just Velcro all the tags into a little pouch together, or you can just use electrical tape and masking tape mm-hmm. to just stop that, that jangling. I mean, some people take their dog's collars off when they sleep and I think that's great, especially because they can catch on things or if they're in their crate, but even just when they're out running around um, and on walks, that constant jangling for a, especially so many dogs are sound sensitive. I think just removing that, some dogs it's a horrible thing and some it's a minor irritation, but I think what it would be like if my keys were jangling by my Mm -hmm. ears all the time. So I like to eliminate that for dogs. And it's a small thing that we can do to really help yes, them out. Yeah, that's that's so. You know, as you said it, I was thinking, gosh, that's
0: so important actually. Because, f- for example, mischief is a little bit uh, noise sensitive, as you say, sound sensitive, and that would drive her mad to have tags constantly jangling. So, yeah, that that is actually a huge, a huge part of of, of welfare, isn't it? All of your advice today has been you know excellent and and um, thank you ever so much for that where can people find out more about you for more of this advice online where's the best place
3: uh, the best place is probably um, with the Bark magazine because I, I write for them um, so it's the Bark magazine is a, a mainly online but also print magazine in the okay. US smashing there is one other thing I have written five books on training and behaviour and those are available at dogwise.com so that's another place that people can see my work
0: Right. Thank you ever so much. And, and thank you for, for telling us how we can keep our, our dogs happy.
3: Oh, sure. It's my pleasure. It's one of my you know, missions here in this life to try to make dogs as happy as possible.
0: I think that's a pretty great mission to have. I found that a really interesting take on making your dog happy. And Karen mentioned things that just hadn't ever occurred to me. We have links on the DogCast site to both The Bark and DogWise, where you can read more of Karen's fantastic advice. What do you think is the greatest contribution you make to your dog's happiness? When an 85-pound mammal licks your tears away, then tries to sit on your lap, it's hard to feel sad. Kristen Higgins You're listening to Dogcast Radio on www.dogcastradio.com And now it's time for the Dogcast Radio News.
2: First up, positive news from the US, because Delaware has brought in legislation to limit the time for which dogs can be tied up outside.
0: State Senator Jack Walsh and State Representative Mike Ramone sponsored a bill extending protections for dogs being kept outside.
2: If there's no one in the house, a dog can only be tied up outside for two hours, and during a national weather situation, hot or cold, dogs can only be left outside unsupervised for 15 minutes.
0: Proper shelter must also be provided. Metal structures and wire floors are both banned.
2: Bill's sponsor, State Representative Earl Jack, said he was motivated by seeing too many dogs left outside in unsuitable
0: conditions. Breaking the new law once could earn a $100 fine. A second event would rack up $250, and each further breach would cost $500 plus court costs. In Hampshire, UK, schools have been enlisting the help of sniffer dogs to combat the growing problem of drugs.
2: Six schools clubbed together to employ a private firm to sniff out any drugs on the premises. Fortunately, none were found, but the dogs
0: and handlers will return at a later date. Apparently, drug gangs have been trying to exploit younger and younger students and pupils, and staff decided that time was right to fight back and send a strong message out. That's good, because you can't hide drugs from a
2: trained dog's sensitive nose. Meanwhile, in Wales, in the UK, a police dog had
0: to be rescued after a training exercise. Police were training in the. apologies in advance for the pronunciation here. in Rhonda Sinan Taff when Black Labrador Shelley jumped into the River Taff. And poor Shelley was washed away, leaving officers
2: to appeal for help via Twitter. And luckily, a member of the public rescued Shelley in
0: Treforest. The force tweeted that Shelley was happy to be home. Oh, I bet she was. Jakey, the Rottweiler from Minnesota, USA, is happy at home. But as soon as she is home alone, She indulges a strange urge.
2: Jakey seeks out and guards what she thinks are her family's treasure, bread. Six-year-old Jakey will pull bread out of her bread bin and even break into a pantry or fridge to get hold of the bread and keep it safe.
0: Bless her, she doesn't eat the bread or let any other animal in the house eat it. And her preferred method of protecting the bread is to put it behind the sofa or into a cupboard and lie close to it.
2: And if by chance she can't get her paws on any bread... Jakey will sniff out some cookies to look after, and if no carbs are available, she guards the butter. That's so cute. I know. Well, dogs are cute, and our next story is a woman who decided that ultimately her dogs were cuter than her husband.
0: Liz Haslam met her husband, Mike, when she was just 16. They married and lived happily in Suffolk, UK, for over 25 years, during which time Liz's passion for rescue dogs led her to specialise in rescuing and rehoming bull terriers. Liz
2: started a foundation, Beds for Bullies, to which there is a link on the Dogcast Radio site. With at least five dogs living with them and up to 200 rescue dogs under Beds for Bullies care, gradually Mike began to feel that he was the one who was the underdog and the Bull Terriers
0: meant more to his wife. So he issued an ultimatum. It's me or the dog. And, no surprise, Liz chose the dogs. Now Liz is free to devote her time and that can mean working 18 hours a day to her beloved dogs and she doesn't regret her decision at all clearly the relationship between us and our dogs can be all-consuming and certainly for one poor dog his love for his humans had bizarre consequences
2: rollo a seven-year-old dachshund was so delighted when his family went into
0: self-isolation due to the corona Shh. due to the corona. D- no no we know why they were self-isolating you don't have to say the word Get back to talking about the sweet little dachshund. Okay. Rolo's
2: family was spending a lot more time at home, and the delighted dachshund couldn't stop wagging
0: his tail. Yes, then all of a sudden he couldn't start wagging his tail.
2: Off to the vets it was where the diagnosis was that Rolo had sprained his tail through wagging
0: it too much. He was prescribed painkillers and plenty of belly rubs, and was expected to be all better and able to wag again within a week. There's a link on the Dogcast Radio site
2: to Rollo's Instagram account, and that's all we have time for now.
0: See you next time! When the man waked up, he said, What is Wild Dog doing here? And the woman said, His name is not Wild Dog anymore, but the first friend, because he will be our friend for always and always and always. Rudyard Kipling. An interview now with Kim K, founder of Nosey Barker. I met Kim through a breed profile I wrote about mini schnauzers and the more I heard about Nosey Barker, the more I wanted to share it with you. And if you're not geographically near Kim, she's in Essex. She has online resources that could help you amuse your dog while you're spending a lot of time at home. So just what is Nosey Barker?
1: Nosey Barker is quite a holistic service. Um, we provide care in terms of um as early as puppy poppins um we do kennel club classes from puppy right through to advanced gold level Mm. um i'm also a behaviorist um because my husband's also a qualified trainer
4: yeah
1: um and he does um the dog walking so we do dog walking yeah um, and he also does training walks
0: yeah oh smashing
1: and we also do, which is much newer in our business, we do online dog training. Mm. So um, something that happened quite a lot would be that we would get lots of people asking to train with us, but they would be too far away. Um, and also in the, in the current climate, people have the best of intentions. But if they've got a large families, they'd be coming to class, not everybody could attend. And yeah. then they would miss out on the learning. So supporting our face-to-face clients with the online aspect, so we call it blended learning, mm. uh, it's really beneficial. Yeah. So it's kind of an all-round um, service, really. We even do pet sitting, um, So, and that's my husband because he's a qualified trainer as well. And he goes off – te- that tends to be only for dogs that we've trained and dogs that we know – yeah, So it, it it becomes a big sort of community affair, really. <laughs>
0: mm, that's lovely. I mean, that's that's really good. You, you've said you're a qualified trainer of behaviour and your husband's a qualified trainer and that some people might be thinking, why do I need a qualified trainer to, to just walk the dog? You know, but it is important. We, we have had a chat about this, but it's important that everybody who deals with your dog knows what they're doing, isn't it? And that sort of has the best
1: of intentions for them. Absolutely. Um, I think any professional that that um, is involved in your dog and of course, we'll all have different value systems. But what's really important is that you choose somebody that is comfortable with your way of raising a puppy or um, helping you care for your dog. Um, And that can be done without actually involving your dog. Um, So anybody, whether that be a groomer, whether that be a vet, whether that be a dog walker, um, just picking up the phone and actually having a conversation um, and asking about policies, asking about um, experiences or what they would do if this happened. So, for instance... um, for a groomer because I'm actually a qualified groomer as well not that I do grooming I I don't really um I I never really liked it that much I found it quite um, isolating um but with a groomer something that you could ask would be how they would cope if your dog didn't like what they were doing Mm. yes we see a a, a massive fallout unfortunately of um dogs and puppies that are a, a touch averse because a groomer understandably has got a job to do Mm. and an allocated amount of time and if your dog or puppy doesn't like it there are certain pieces of equipment that a groomer could use to protect themselves yeah but actually doesn't create a positive emotional response for your dog yeah and what you start to see is an escalation in terms of their behavior whether that be reactivity or whether that is learned helplessness or or um more anxious behavior. And of course, that will filter out into all their aspects of their daily life.
4: Mm-hmm. So,
1: taking the time to really talk to um, professionals and making sure that they're in line with your own ethos. Just a, a small example we've got this beautiful new puppy, Toy mm. Poodle, uh, Diggery, um, and he was due his second vaccination um, this week. So, my husband took him. And um, when he was in the waiting room, it was a vets that we we don't normally use because the breeder had used a different one and the follow up one was at the same place. So um, we went there when my when my husband was in the waiting room, he could hear um, a puppy screaming. So mm-hmm. I thought, Oh, wonder what, what that is. He went in armed with a licky mat, tasty food, because who's going to want a vaccination? None of us really want <laughs> no. to have an injection. But he was armed. The vet picked up Diggory and actually tried to poke Diggory's head underneath his arm so that he was in like an arm of yes. a headlock. Yeah. Luckily, because my husband is a trainer and he's not shy, he said to the vet, What are you doing? Um, and the vet said, Well, this is the way we've got to do it. He, he mustn't move. And of course, my husband was um confident enough to say, no, that's not the way that I want you to do that. Yeah. Um, and so the vet said, well, you need to hold him still. And my husband said, I will. And he did that and he gave him the licky mat and he just held him in a correct way. No crying at all. Yeah. Now, what's interesting is the breeder told me that Diggory had absolutely screamed the house down when he had his first vaccination. Mm. and now i understand why yeah i mean you can
0: if you equate that to yourself say say i i'm not very keen on the dentist i i have cried in the dentist's chair but like yeah. if the dentist got me and went, come here i'm going to do i would be fighting I, you know i might well bite the dentist you know whereas yeah. if he's explained to me and i feel a little bit in control and that i can step away if i need to you know then I'm happier, the dentist is happier. You know. And And it's the same with our dogs, isn't it? We we can't mm. do that sort of hands-on, I'm strong enough to put you in an arm. Like, that's no good, is it?
1: No. No. So as I say, I think it's across the board. I, I don't think it's just trainers. I think that also is breeders, that's rescue centres. Because when, when you take on a puppy, particularly because of the sensitive um, stage that they go through up to sort of around 14 to 16 weeks, Those experiences that they have, which are mostly with the breeder, need to be taken into account because they can have a lifelong effect. Mm -hmm. Um, And those experiences need to be positive to really create resilience um, and for um, the puppy to grow into being a a confident adolescent and adult. And that definitely means working with professionals that suit your ethos, the way that you want your puppy or your dog to be cared for. Yeah. But also having people that are trained and trained with the latest science that's available, because yeah. people could be trained and and qualified, but it may be that they're not up to date. And of course, science changes. Even for you know, parents. Um, my my children are um, twenty three. Oh, you won't be pleased. I can't remember twenty three <laughs> and twenty one. Um, and even when they were young. There was, uh, lay your baby on your front, lay the baby on the side, lay them on their back. Yes, yeah. And that's not because people don't know what they're doing; they're using the latest information and science available at that time. Yeah, and it's the same with dogs. In some ways, it's only really starting to catch up, and there's so much information now out there. And of course, that might be different to if you had a puppy 10 years ago, 20 years ago, or when you was a child, yeah. the methods have very, very much changed. Oh, yes. But so is parenting. Yes. So um, I think it's really important that whoever, whoever you want to be part of your dog's journey and welfare, that they are using my, – my preference is kind and ethical methods. Yes, um, definitely. That promote confidence – um, yeah. And a well-balanced dog that is able to say, actually, I'd, I would prefer you didn't do that. <laughs> yes. Yeah.
0: Do you know, I'm just thinking, cause when I got Buddy, it was back in 2003. And the first trainer that we went to, well, no, the first trainer we went to actually was... um was i think um was very good and they were kind and, and they were lovely but they wanted to sort of focus on let's get a proper recall going where the dog goes round you and sits down and i was thinking well that's great he'll do it here but he won't do it down the park when there's kids with balls and things and i'm thinking i don't i don't want him to do a, a formal finish i want him to come back to me so anyway we moved on and that's the second guy good. i went to the, yeah the second guy i went to was had been a, a police dog trainer for years and years and he he's yes He he was formidable, Um, but he he said, um, "If the dog tries to come out of the crate before you're ready, slam the dog, uh, slam the crate door in the dog's face." And I was thinking, "I don't feel comfortable with this. I don't, I don't. You know, I've got this lovely, Mm -hmm. beautiful little Labrador who's, you know, quite soft. He, He 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 had issues. He could have been, he he wouldn't do a down to begin with. I remember he had lots of different quirks. But anyway, so I'm not, I'm not saying be silly and let your dog walk all over you. I'm not saying that, but you need to be. Happy, you, you both have issues and borders, and you, they all have to be respect, respected. And so I, I, I was constantly put my, I'm putting my, I my hand up in this class, going, "Excuse me, can I just ask you about that?" Anyway, and I, I thought this, this guy is not right for me. He's not right for Buddy, and we walked away. This was, as I say, um, nearly, nearly twenty years ago, when there was a different ethos, and mm. it was kind of you. They, they, it made me feel like I was bringing this wild animal into my house that was going to try and usurp me and take over my place as you know in charge of the the house which is what it was like then it was sort of you know you have to eat before them and you have to show them that you're eating before them and they have they can't go through a door before you and all this which is still dying a death at the moment but it's still you still hear things like this and it made me frightened that I was bringing this monster into the house and it isn't like that is it
1: no no it isn't um because the theory of um a dog trying to dominate you was debunked a long time ago. Yes. Of course, it takes time. And when you've got very high profile um, trainers from around the world that are still using those methods, Mm
4: -hmm. it Mm -hmm. takes
1: longer for the general public to um, grasp the new science, really. Yeah. Um, An example that I use actually from um, human psychology is um, Aubrey Daniels. And he talks about discretionary effort. Um and, and I really like this um this idea. So if you think about um a teacher or a manager or a boss or somebody, think of two. Think of one that you really liked and one that you didn't. And then you're gonna be asked to do a job that you don't particularly want to do um by both of those uh say boss. Which one are you gonna do it for more readily? And which one are you going to go over and above? And so that's what science actually proves and shows us, that somebody that you have a positive relationship with, you are more likely to do the job more effectively and go over and above to be able to fulfill um, what you're being asked to do.
4: Yeah.
1: Um, and that's something that I talk to the people that I work with um, and people that are right for us and our fit. They understand that immediately, yeah, and they're immediately comfortable with that. Yeah, that doesn't mean that. um That doesn't mean that we allow dogs to get away with everything. Yes, yeah. so I have a yeah. work background, and so you, you know, I from from that point of view, I have strong boundaries. Mm-hmm. It's important that they have boundaries and and know you know, what is acceptable, but that doesn't mean that it can't be taught in a kind and ethical way. Yes. Um, which is exactly what we do, um, and that's the education that we're trying to get out there, not only with our local clients, but by our online community and education. We're able to spread that message for, you know, much further. Yes, um, We've even got um, an, a small audience now in um, America and Australia. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it is lovely. And the more people, the more professionals that are able to spread this message that you, you don't have to use aversive methods. Um, but you do need boundaries in place. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I'm I'm not um, talking about force free and allowing your dog to bounce off your head because, no, that's not acceptable. But we can have um, good boundaries in place, but we can use kind and ethical methods that create a, an amazing relationship yes. where your yes. dog wants to do what you're asking them to do. And as long as you're using appropriate reinforcers, which doesn't always have to be food, food is generally the easiest, but it doesn't have to be no, food. No, no. But as long as you're using those things, you're creating pathways that Help the dog to make good choices, and it makes them feel good by doing that.
4: Because mm-hmm.
1: that's one of the challenges that sometimes we face. That um, some people feel they don't want to use food and treats all of the time, and so that's something that I say is it's not forever. No. Yeah. So I like the idea of still paying my dogs for doing a job well done. Yes. So my my old girl, who's twelve, so uh, nearly thirteen, she'll still get you know, treat some food for a job well done because I still expect to be paid. Mm. Um, but if you've done it correctly, then what actually happens is just saying the word good makes the dog feel good because the relationship that you have is fulfilling yes. and reinforcing. But that doesn't happen overnight. There needs to be masses of repetition and people need to work hard at protecting the relationship. yes. Definitely, definitely. That
0: is so important, isn't it? To have that. And it's on so many levels. It's sort of, it's, it's, it's loving them. It's protecting them. It's, it's making sure they know you come to me. I will keep you safe. I will look after you. It'll always be good. Good things come from me. I'll, you know, I'll give you things, up. but not, not just because you've barked or growled at me. I might, I might ask you to, to lie down or to sit or to, you know, not, not bite the cushion for a minute and, you know, whatever it is. Um, you know, and, as you say, it's getting that, that balance. They're not going to be automatons and they're not going to turn on a sixpence and they're not going to sort of do everything you say exactly when you say it. But, you know, when it comes to it, it, it they will cooperate with you. And they want. And, and the trick, as you say, the trick is to get them to want to cooperate
1: with yeah. you, isn't it? That's it. Perfect. Absolutely. So the, the training that we do is very, very much relationship-based. Um, and so something that, I, I train all of my dogs so they they can all be off lead. Um, and we teach, um, it's called a Premack principle or grandma's rules, which is, you know, eat your veg and then you can have your pudding. <laughs> so when we're out, um, if my girls are off lead, well, I'll have to start saying girls and boy now. Because <laughs> the puppy's a boy. If they say, see a dog in the distance and they want to play, they stop and they look so that they become like pointers. It's quite funny. you miniature <laughs> many pointing. So they're, they're making it very clear that they're looking at that dog and they want to go and investigate. And I don't say a word. And then they turn, they look at me, which is asking for permission. Yeah. And I, at that stage say, if I know that dog and I know that it's safe, I might say, okay, go play. Or I might say, no, not today. And yeah. if I say no, not today, then they come running over because they know they're going to get, a treat instead yes
0: yeah yeah
1: so, i i mean something that i also talk about is i like to think of our dogs in a contract now our dogs are absolutely family members yes you know no no doubt about that but i think it's helpful sometimes to think of a dog that you have in your life you're in a bit of a contract with them because the reality is people often want to prevent their dogs from um, performing a behaviour that might be quite natural to mm-hmm. the dog.
4: Mm-hmm.
1: Often is people want the dog to look like the particular dog that they've chosen and they want them to bring some of the good um, traits of a dog. But then if they're digging or eating cow pat or barking or growling or jumping around, they're like, ah, uh, ah, uh, uh, don't be a dog. yes, yes. <laughs> I think that there there has to be some compromise there and being able to really think about, well, what things for your family are acceptable? And if your dog behaves in this way, this contract that you're saying, what is it that they get from you? Yes. Because it has to mean something to the dog. So, for instance, if I go and get a job and the job sounds amazing, but they say to me they're going to pay me in Brussels sprouts. That doesn't work for me. That's not going to motivate me. I'm not going to do the job. And that's something that we have to think about with with, um, dogs as well. So there has to be some flexibility. For instance, dogs that dig, that could be intrinsically reinforcing for them. So rather than try to stop them and prevent them, part of the contract could be you don't dig up my garden, but I will provide you with your own digging space. Yes. Whether that be um, a paddling pool that's got sand in it or something like that. What often happens is that, in my experience anyway, is that people that have a puppy or a, have a dog for the first sort of six months, they're in honeymoon period. And so they uh, there's lots of enrichment going on. There's lots of play, lots of um, relationship building activities. But then, of course, life gets busy or something happens at work or, you know, something happens within the family. And that's quite often when we'll see the undesirable behaviours from the dog start to seep in. But actually, the human is now not fulfilling their part of the contract.
4: Yeah, yeah. The that's
1: dog isn't nice. getting enough enrichment, isn't getting enough um, uh, companionship, for instance. And so their, their behaviours start to escalate. And when they start to show behaviours that the family don't like, you end up in this spiral down so um, all of our our online puppy school which um is gifted to our face-to-face clients but we also um sell that as a standalone course and one of the worksheets in that course is about that contract it is about look sit down with your family think about what things are important to you as a family what things are you going to allow aren't you going to allow because being consistent is very key um but equally think about well what's in it for your dog because you kind of trying to manipulate some of their behavior it has to be worth it the yeah. reinforcer has to be enough and that isn't always food that is safety companionship um praise play
4: yeah. lots
1: of things each dog is different and it's it's like an adventure to work out what's important to each individual dog
0: yeah yeah absolutely i always say each dog is a different adventure it's a new adventure. It's not always the adventure you you signed up for, and the, you know you have to just be brave enough to say, "Well, I'm going to go on this adventure. I'm going to go where this dog's taking me, and I'm going to, you know, I'm going to help them, and we're going to come to an understanding." But we're going to have to travel there. We're going to have to get there. Um, now, saying that, you've talked about your girls uh, and your new boy, <laughs> but tell me about your girls. They're mini schnauzers, aren't they? So, so tell me about them.
1: Yeah. So when, um, gosh, it was a long time ago when I we got our first schnauzer years ago. Um, my children were young and she had an umbilical cord hernia, which, you know, isn't a big issue, but she also had, um, fleas and she was quite nervous, but, you know, schnauzers as can be. But anyway, we, we got on, loved her and we decided we were going to get another one. Hmm. Um, and we just went back to the same breeder. And it was, um, a few days before we were due to get her, uh, pick up the, the second puppy, which was actually around my daughter's birthday that um, the breeders rang and said, you can't take your puppy because the puppy's got kennel cough. So I said, oh, okay. So I didn't think too much of it, but that kind of stayed with me a bit. Um, And so I started to do some research. Hmm. And then as I started to do some research and I spoke to various breeders and different people, it started to come to light and I started to learn but actually, I was buying from, at best, a backyard breeder.
4: Yeah, yeah.
1: And I just didn't know. I just didn't recognize it. Um, and so, obviously, we didn't, we didn't get that puppy. Mm-hmm. But what happened was I started to feel that I started to educate myself. And then I felt that I could probably um, breed a litter of puppies and do a reasonably good job of that. And I wanted to try. And I also got really interested in the genetics and um, about whether you could breed particular traits in and particular traits out. Hmm. And so that was something that, uh, a journey that I started. And so, so that's why we've ended up with five minute schnauzers because we've got a mum and a daughter in one line. Yeah. And then of course we've got grandma, mum and daughter in the other line. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, yeah, so certainly the the younger two um, of our five girls are much quieter mm-hmm. because that's what I wanted to do. I wanted to see, could you breed out particular traits that are undesirable in today's society, really? Yes,
4: yeah.
1: With schnauzers, they are very vocal and that can be very difficult for families, um, particularly people that live within cities and, and neighbours and things like that. Um and that, I think, I was so fascinated by it because we can think of lots of um, lots of beautiful breeds, like, for instance, German Shepherds, mm-hmm. that could have a really strong guarding um, instinct, but they're not required to do that job.
4: Yeah.
1: And if they're not required to do that job, should breeders be breeding very sh- that that very strong trait still? Yeah. It's arguable. And so I wanted to do my own research. So whilst, of course, doing that, there would be, uh, being totally honest, there would be some puppies that, or they were older then, the people would come back and say, (laughs) of course, my schnauzer's barking, (laughs) Um, or various things, and would ask for help. And I realised I actually didn't know enough. Um, And that's when I went off and started to sort of, you know, become a trainer and and everything then that i learned um you know i just passed on to my girls yeah and that's how we've kind of ended up where we are really so they've all sort of been through their kennel club awards and um they they've got their various different strengths uh, dahlia is probably which i call my soul dog mm. so she's actually <laughs> our logo with the pencil in her mouth um and she's just an amazing dog um Certainly for somebody like myself that suffers with um, some mental health mm. um, issues, I don't think I would be able to live the life that I live if I didn't have my dogs, but particularly Dahlia, because yeah. she just really is my heart and soul dog.
4: Um,
1: she's very sociable. She likes people. She she quite likes other dogs. She takes or leave other dogs, to be honest. But, yeah, they're just, they're just my life, really. Yeah, um, yeah. I just
0: adore them. I, yeah, yeah. Do you know, I can really identify because Buddy was my heart dog. And um, oh. he, he sort of, he would, he he liked, he, I don't think he ever met a dog he didn't really like. Um, but he didn't, he, his people were his passion. And he sort of paid the tax, you know, say hello to the dog. And then he just wanted to meet the people, yeah. really, you know. <laughs>
1: That's yeah. so familiar.
0: Oh, bless.
4: Yeah. But, yeah so.
1: And so, I decided I think I started to get a bit puppy broody and and um and I know that you know I know in an ideal world, we would all rescue um dogs, but I think we all have our different superpowers, and for me, having five established girls um bringing a rescue into our home wouldn't be the right thing. I also believe that people should have the freedom to choose. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and my choice was to get a puppy, as I say, I feel justified in saying that because i I worked in social work and child protection for years, so I feel no i, I you know i 've done lots of good and continue to do good, but I wanted a puppy um, and so yes, um the sire of uh, Diggory used to come to puppy class oh wow three years ago, so I knew he had this great temperament. And his um, owner is a groomer who does competitions. And so he goes everywhere and completely chills out. Yeah. And it's yeah. really important for me that because we um, we went to crafts this year, we had our stand at crafts. And although I could have taken a couple of my girls, they wouldn't really have coached for four days because they've not been in that environment. I've not exposed them and trained them and habituated them to that environment. Yeah. So yeah. I've, I've been on the lookout for a while bringing um, a puppy into the home but I wanted to obviously get one that had a good chance of having the right temperament and disposition so Ronnie which is Diggory's dad has got that temperament and that disposition Um, and of course there was this litter of puppies there happened to be a boy available which is what I would do having five girls it would be no I need to bring a boy I don't think another girl (laughs) would be right um, and my preference is really s- uh, small dogs, medium sort of collie size down. They're my speciality. That's I, I get them. It feels like they're part of me. It, it feels instinctive. Mm. Um, and of course, the, the other great thing is that he's apricot colour. So for our online community, <laughs> they'll actually be able to see what he's doing. <laughs> because with so many black dogs it is harder to see them online yes yeah having had a black dog I know what you're saying (laughs) yeah yeah so but um but yeah I I, I don't know what else I can say really I, I mean I just absolutely adore all of my girls they they give such emotional support such companionship they're always pleased to see me even if I'm not in the best of moods yeah um, isn't that
0: the magic of a dog though it doesn't matter it, you you can walk into a room where the dog is and if you walk in sort of going oh I've had a horrible day they just go I'm pleased to see you come and sit down and I'll love you I and if you walk in going I've had the best day in the world
1: and the dog goes yay I'll celebrate with you and that isn't that the magic of a dog it's like, such a gift yes I, I feel gifted to be able to spend my life with my dogs I, I I honestly don't think I would be the person I am today if I didn't have them yeah. sharing my life with them. Mm. Oh no, they're lovely. They're cheerful. I'm I, such a softie.
0: <laughs> but isn't that the dogs? You know, dogs get you dogs you know get you yeah, right at the heart absolutely. and you know that's um, mm. um I mean I've, I've t- said this before but my husband isn't as doggy as as I am and um and we got buddy because because I wanted a dog and, and I always wanted a dog and my daughter wanted a dog as well but Anthony wasn't really sort of very no. into it and um you know he he was happy to have a dog I mean but he wasn't he wasn't the motivating force behind it and um very quickly you know if you when you walk in the front door and there's this little person go, "Oh, I'm so happy you're home, I love you, I missed you and just you know and very quickly he just buddy just won him over and and he became a dog person, oh. and he would talk to the dog and you know cuddle him and you know on the sofa with him and and play with him and you you can't it's a very hard heart that lives with a dog and doesn't
1: fall for them i think they they just absolutely and the health you know it's good for your health those things have been proven lower stress lower blood pressure getting out and about being able to walk and being able to talk all of these things we know that for emotional health but also physical health and the walking all those things are you know proven so I think as well over the years over the sort of 10 years that I've been training something that um, I quite like hearing actually is when people have got themselves a dog and um they wasn't particularly into it Mm. um, often i hear them say i never knew yes i never understood how much you could love a dog and that makes my heart sing i just it's so lovely for somebody to experience that i think somebody that never gets the joy of feeling that Mm. they're really missing out absolutely aren't they yes Yeah. yeah definitely
0: definitely um and and let's—I mean, this is one of the things that motivates me—is let's share that joy, let's share that understanding, so that everybody loves and understands their dog, and every dog has a great life and has an owner that that loves and understands them. And and you know, let's share that brand. That that's that's really why why I want to do that. Saying that, where can people find out more about Nosy Barker? Where they where can they share your knowledge? <laughs> mm-hmm.
1: So our main um, place, really, our main home is Facebook. Um, of course we do have um a website and people can visit that that's nosy spelled n-o-s-e-y hyphen barker.co.uk and actually on there you can um join our free training community group which is on facebook or you can go on facebook which is nosy barker training community um so that's uh full of amazing people that are just crazy about their dogs they share photos videos we do challenges we do competitions we do lives we do training and um, that's kind of our main main place really uh, but we've got obviously the online side which they people could ask about and find out more about that we're actually based face to face in Essex Harlow Essex but as I say because we we're so online based now it does mean that we we have um, community members all over the world, which is really exciting. Yes, isn't um, it? Yeah, really nice. I do use Instagram, which is uh, Kim K Nosy Barker. But to be honest with you, I don't really know what I'm doing on there. I just, <laughs> um, We have got a Twitter account. And what's the other ones? Google Plus? Or? We've got them all. Yes. But I don't yes. use them because I don't know how to. <laughs> so whereas I'm, I'm, I'm pretty pretty good on facebook so that's your best place to connect with me <laughs> smashing smashing and people at the moment
0: we're talking on the 19th of march um this will go out in our march show but um we're talking on the 19th of march and at the moment many of us um in the uk and around the world are, are choosing to stay at home at the moment, which well some of us are choosing some of us are being made to around the world yeah. aren't we so but Locked a lot down. of us yes a lot of us are at home because of this blasted we won't say the the c word but uh, we all know why we're staying at home Um, so people at least will have time to go online find things out for their dog do some training just do some we can still walk as long as we keep our social yeah. the what is it social distancing Absolutely. Uh, but we can we can have that quality time with our dogs and that may save some sanity mate mightn't it
1: Yeah, absolutely. And I think um, I was saying to you earlier that with the news that schools were closing, so this Friday, I just think we're going to end up potentially with lots of children bored, uh, parents trying to work from home, dogs that are going to start being unruly because they're not used to everybody being there. They may be excited, um, but they also might not be getting their normal routine. So, you know, being part of a community, I think, will help everybody's sanity, also give people ideas of things that they can do. Um, so our Wonder Walks, our online um, latest course that we released actually just across a couple of weeks ago, we we actually made the decision to give it away for free mm. if it helps people because it's a it's a great course. It's about being able to enjoy a magical adventure when you're out and about with your dog. Yeah. But it's not just about taking the lead off or being a glorified poo bag carrier. It's about Teaching your dog skills, like for instance, to search for your lost keys at home, and then taking that out on your walks, so that you can actually do new and exciting activities. So, um, and those those things are all in that course. I just think it's a great resource for for children to get involved in. People that are bored at home, you know, it's terrible, terrible times for people, and it's really frightening, health wise, business wise, economy wise. But if there is any glimmer of hope, perhaps if people are at home, if we can try to use that time to to better ourselves or create more knowledge, particularly around the welfare and training of dogs, at least there could be a tiny, tiny win. Yeah. It's it's all we have to offer. Right. I just yesterday I felt as many of us have, I'm sure, really worried and anxious and I just thought how can I help how can I help my community you know I, I I'm, I'm not a nurse and you know I probably would faint if I had to do anything to do with blood so what can I do how can I help and I felt that we had this resource that's a great resource and by not sharing it with people we were doing a disservice really to our community
4: yeah yeah
1: well let's let's hope and I love one of the things I know about what you've just said is sort of
0: how many dog walks happen with the person on their phone and they're having quality time with their phone but not with the dog and the dog's off lead and it goes off and it has a wee on it poos and it interacts with other dogs or people or not and the walk happens like that and there's no quality for anybody in that so that as you say that's quality time it's everybody's getting something out of that aren't they
1: Absolutely. And it ties back in with what we were talking about earlier in terms of discretionary effort, because if you are working on your relationship and you're having this amazing relationship with your dog, they're more likely to recall, for instance. Yes. They're less likely to pull you on the lead because they're not looking for external stimulation within the environment. They're actually going out with you going, what are we doing, mum? What are we doing, dad? What are we doing, kids? Yes. Because you're going on an adventure together rather than them just going, right, where are the dogs? Where's the cowpat? Where's the rabbits? Where's the leaves? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Where's the good stuff? No, the good stuff's with you. <laughs> exactly, exactly. Yeah. It's about rethinking the term, taking the dog for a walk. So wherever you are, you can benefit from
0: Wonder Walks. And our dog walks should be quality time with our dogs, not a chore If you've found a way to connect with your dog during your walks, I'd love to hear about it. And of course, if you make use of Wonder Walks, we'd love to hear about that too. We have all the links you need to access Nosy Barker on the Dogcast Radio site. I'm going to try and share as many as I can of the online training and enrichment ideas on offer from trainers at the moment, so that hopefully we and our dogs can have fun while we're at home. But for now, until next time, and I have never meant this more, look after yourselves with the ident dogcast radio. That's all one word, dogcast radio. By email you can contact me on julie at dogcastradio.com. When contacting us by email, if you have the facilities, please record your questions or comments and send them to us as an audio file. That way we can include them directly in our programme. We can accept most formats, for example WAV MP3. All these methods of contacting us can be found on our website, which is www.dogcastradio.com. And as ever, the final word goes to Jenny.
2: So a woman walks into a psychiatrist's office and says, Doctor, my husband thinks he's a dog. I don't know what to do. Please help. Oh, poor woman. She must have been at her wit's end. That's an awful mental health problem, isn't it, Jen? So the doctor says,
0: okay, have him get on the couch. Well, that's the best thing because that's what you do, isn't it? They all go and you lie on the couch and you tell the doctor how you feel and he makes you better. And the woman snapped back. Wait, no, he's not allowed on the couch. Oh, yeah, because he was, he was a dog and it was her problem,
4: not his. Oh, dear.